Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Haunted and the Wanted podcast. That over there is Jeanette Morales. That's Brittany Wittig. And... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I thought we were doing it together. Oh, okay. And, and we have... Drea. <laughs> that was the best introduction ever. <laughs> we have Drea here. Um, she's with us here today. Why we're recording because we have... A special another special another a special spooky episode on Friday that she's gonna tell us of some personal true crime and paranormal stories. So make sure and listen Friday. She's here to introduce herself. What would you like to say? Please keep listening, even though <laughs> you hear me and you don't like what I say. They're good. So keep listening. <laughs> well, so we appreciate your support. Yeah. We're glad you're here. And then you get to listen to how we record our crazy. I know. I'm so like, still like, like, uh, like I don't know. I'm still nervous about it, even though I'm still, I'm just listening. But I'm excited because that's it's like, how we were our first two episodes. I feel like it's live. You know how when people post on like Facebook Live, IG Live, but this is like podcast live. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Don't mess up. We can't crop it. Oh man. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'll just shut up. <laughs> How's your week, Jeanette? Stressful. I know. Same. Yeah. It's a tough week. It's okay. We're going to live through it. Yeah. In less than 14 days, we're going to be in the presence of our favorite person. <laughs> Everyone knows. They're like, shut up. God, they're like, Malone again. <laughs> <laughs> Not even post. Just Malone. Austin. He's a cool dude. If only I could party with him. What about you? How was your week? Any updates for the people? Um, oh, I told I talked about my date last time, huh? Yeah. It's going well. We've had <laughs> three official dates now, and it's still going strong. So, yeah, I can't really say anything else about it. So, here we are. But it's going well. That's good. Yeah. Keep us no red flags yet. No burner phones. <laughs> that you know that I know of no murders that I know of no wives that I know of so no, that no going pretty well no children that I know of so yeah we're going it's alright so far he has a dog it's cute what's the name of the dog Roscoe that's a good name right it's a good that's name that's a good name strong name yeah Will you put it? it's cute I like Roscoe that's good does yeah. he listen to me Wait, the, the dog the dog <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing the dog <laughs> No, the boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, to me, I mean, I think oh, so. Oh, like, does he listen to yeah. the podcast? Oh, does he? Um, okay, so I've told him about the podcast, and he said he's going to listen, but I'm oh. not sure oh, if he actually has yet or not. So I guess I'll find out. Okay. He didn't say anything about what I said last week, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Any other updates? Um... I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Drea? Um, oh, oh we watched Frozen we, 2. I'm, I have such an exciting life. Okay. I saw Frozen 2 with my family. Yeah. <laughs> and me. And so Brittany. I'm Brittany the family over. plus one. No, but, oh. So my family loves Brit like, crazy. And the kids love her. So my son and my niece, like, love her. And it was funny because when Britt came, she brought, like, the, like, the goods, like, the ice cream <laughs> and the popcorn. So, like, they love her even more. But, no, it was fun. We saw Frozen 2. It's it when when you see like movies with my family, 
there will be interruptions. Everyone will be talking during the movie, seeing their input. Yeah. And Brittany hates that with a passion. She hates it. If it's at home, like the other night, like I was okay, like I was making comments yeah. too. Like we're at home, home, like it's fine. But in a movie theater, you better shut the fuck up. Like, and do I've, not talk to me. I've I don't learned that. I don't want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you went pee and came back and now you're lost. Shut up. <laughs> you should have held it. You should have <laughs> held it till the end of the movie. But yeah, like, it's so funny because, like, the last time I think I went with you to a movie was Aladdin, right? With Leo? Was that the with last Leo? one? Yeah, where's us two? Or us three? Us three. Was me and Leo. That was Aladdin, Aladdin right? Yeah. Aladdin. And, like, he was, like, standing up dancing, and Andrea's like, Brittany, look, isn't he so cute? And I was like, shut up, the movie. <laughs> Mind you, this is a kid movie, and we're it with is. a child, and Brittany was so was invested. So she was just like, I don't give a fuck about your cute kid right now. And I was like, Damn, we are in a movie you? theater. Sit down. <laughs> Brittany, you can dance at home. Yeah. Brittany does love Aladdin, though. So. Oh, I yeah. do. It's my favorite. No, and I got mad, too. Remember? I was mad because he had... He well, you got mad because he had time. Pee. And I was like, <laughs> fucking... I was like, but yeah. you, guys, you guys shared a large, like, strawberry Shut lemonade. Up. Yeah. But I ended up seeing it. it again with him, so... Yeah. It's fine. No, I think I watch it three times a week on Disney Plus right now. Oh, I think no? that's my average. Huh? Still? Yeah. I mm. love that movie. I love that movie. So, Ballpark. How many times have you seen Aladdin? Ooh. Can when did it come on Disney Plus? Two weeks ago? So not that many. I'd say I'm probably around 10. Because I, I, I saw it in theaters twice. Twice. And then if it's been out two or three weeks, I, I would literally say But I do you, watched... like, watch it or it's in the background while you No, I get captivated. I literally watch it. Like, I'll put it on. I'll be like, I'm going to study. And then I'm like, <laughs> but Aladdin's on. <laughs> It's the best. You know what? I'm not going to say anything because that's so how I am good. with Star Wars. So, Yeah, seeing Star Wars would be on, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I'm studying. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Aladdin's so good. I can't. I can't not watch it. It was good. But yeah, it was still a fun time, though, when we saw Frozen 2. Yeah. Because it was the so second time my mom saw it. My mom hated it the first time. So the second time she actually enjoyed it. So I wonder what got her the first time to not like it. I think because... I don't know. I don't know, maybe she just was tired. Maybe usually if she's tired and over it, she doesn't want to listen. Mm. But I'd like to say because I was there, she was like, oh. Oh, because you didn't go with her in theaters? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But yeah, that was yeah. my my fun thing I did. That's cool. I saw Bad Boys yesterday. That was a good movie. Oh, was it? I've yeah. been wanting to see it. I didn't see the originals, so. What? Yeah, I know. It's, it's the third the time that I've gotten You've the seen same reaction. Yeah. But yeah, it was really good. I liked it. It was funny. It wasn't like gory, but it was action. It was good. They're on Netflix. Totally watch oh, them. Oh, yeah, I should watch them. I like them. I should have done that. Done my due diligence. Yeah, you're fine. It's okay. <laughs> Another time. When I'm not when watching a lot. When you're not Aladdin. watching a lot <laughs> for the 20th time. <laughs> it's so good. Hey, Will Smith is in it, though. Yeah. So, I mean, it's will be a it's good the transition. It's the same thing, it's right? It's a good transition. Yeah. yeah. See, I've already watched them. I watched Aladdin. <laughs> But I am, I'm that person that re, I don't watch new movies. I'm not a person that's like, oh, let me watch this movie that I haven't seen before. I literally go back to the same movies that I watched. That's very That's true. my personality. I'm very it. loyal. That's what I take from this. <laughs> wow. That's what it that's is. That's a special message for us. Yes. I am loyal to the people that are loyal to me. And Aladdin has been loyal that's to me. Dumb. I don't cheat So has movies. blended and just go with it. And he's just not that into you. Like, and my movies are my groove. movies. Emperor's New, New Groove Group. and The Big Bang Theory. All of it. And They're the loyal office. to me. The Office. Holy shit, the fucking Office. <laughs> New Girl. 
Moana. <laughs> Those are my 10 movies that I know and love, and I don't need to stray away from them. They make me happy. <laughs> I I'm, I give a face right now because I'm, I'm like, hey, but I've introduced you to some pretty good ones. Yes, of and course. some bad ones. Oh, my yes. God. It wasn't that bad. Okay. <laughs> v for Vendetta was good. It was really good. I really enjoyed that one. But the fifth element was not. And I will never let you live again. <laughs> never let you you know it's don't watch it's okay it's okay it's not necessary i feel like it (laughs) okay so are you ready for wait go ahead do you have an update no i was just gonna say follow us on instagram oh go for it (laughs) (laughs) um because this is a long episode it is it is Uh, a very long follow us on twitter at that w podcast t-h-a-t w podcast (laughs) and send your listener stories Brittany stopped caring altogether because... But then Andrea showed up. So yeah, but then Andrea wants to read them out for us. So, yeah. Do it for Drea. We have some special episodes coming up. On the 18th, we have our, like, haunted house story from the Zach Baggins house. And then April Fool's, I think we're going to do something fun. We don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be different. So we have some special stuff. And this Friday, the 6th, make sure you come and listen to Andrea's personal story. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We've already recorded it, so I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> So send those stories to thehauntedandthewanted at gmail.com. And this week, I have a good story for you guys. Mm -hmm. Mine is a sanitarium. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. So you start us off this week. I start us off with actual haunted shit. We end on a really bad note with my story. It's a good story. It's a good story, but it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. But they're okay. Yeah. So they're alive. <laughs> no, Ish. no one does. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. Anything you ready? Else? No, I'm done. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Jeanette. Are you ready? It's episode 10. 10. Add an extra zero to that. That's going to be us in two years. (laughs) That's crazy. Right? I know. It's so far away. No. We're already on episode 10, dude. Two years is far away. Two years is far. Yeah. We better have over 100 listeners by then, I swear. Dude, we're already at 70. I know. But in two years, I bet I want a thousand. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You just jumped from a hundred to That's thousand, two bro. years. You were at a hundred like ten seconds ago. Yeah, for right now. Okay. By episode ten, we should have a hundred. That's ten listeners per episode that we gain. Okay. That's my knowledge. Yes. We're doing it. Okay. Sounds good. And this week, I have a haunted hospital. My favorite kind of hospital. Super cool and I creepy. I feel like all hospitals are haunted. Yes. I'm so scared that I one day I'll be in an accident. The or feeling I'll be of sick, hospitals. Mm-hmm, and I'll have to, like, stay overnight. Dude. Just wait till I have a baby, bro. You have to stay overnight then, too. So I'm adopting. Just saying. Oh, are you? You want to adopt? From where? <laughs> Africa? That's where I want to yeah, that is. Oh, I freaking love Africa. I need to go there so I can actually say that I love it. Because right now I just love pictures of it. It's not the same. Okay. So, let's, some of my... What? Let's go. 
Can we please? Yeah. I will literally rack up every credit card that I have to go. I don't yeah. even care anymore. Let's go. Let's do it. After we graduate. Yeah, deal. Okay, deal. Okay, so <clears throat> some of my sources are American Haunting Sink. No, I said that way wrong. <laughs> it's the same letters, but, but I realized what it's supposed to say right now. It's American Hauntings Inc. Okay. <laughs> but ink sense. is with a K, so it looks like sink. Got it. Okay, I'm so sorry. Wikipedia, of course. Paranormal Milwaukee is another one. And I watched a BuzzFeed episode on this one. So they stayed the night at this hotel. Was it scary? I would never do that. Not going to happen. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. It's pretty Ooh. creepy. Um, I'll tell you the story about what happened on BuzzFeed 2 when we get into um, some of the hauntings. Because um, I go back and forth on, like, not if I believe it. Because I do believe their stories and, like, what they do. But if I believe that, like, what happened was meant to happen because of a paranormal being. Or, like, if it just happened because it's what happened. You know what I mean? Okay. okay. So, this hospital... Was opened in 1910. Woohoo! For the 10th episode. I, oh my gosh, you're right! I wonder if your year has a 10 in it too. I'm trying to think now. That is so cool. Okay, I'm glad I saved it. That's so exciting. Okay, so in the beginning, it was only a two-story hospital. It was meant to hold 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. That's what it was built for. It's literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. Because they wanted to keep everybody, like, away, nothing Bro. in, nothing out. What? I feel like I know the story. You might. It's yeah. a pretty cool one. It, yeah. Well, it's sad. But, yeah. It is. It's, it's sad. But ghostly? Oh, my God. There's so many. Yes. So many. Okay. So, in the early 1900s, um, Jefferson County, there was an outbreak of tuberculosis, or the White Plague. And that's what prompted the construction of this new hospital. So, on August 31st of 1912, all these tuberculosis patients, which it only held in the beginning 40 to 50, so it's not, like, an abundance of people, but at the same time, that's kind of a lot of people. Um, so, they were relocated to the Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Pew, 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 pew. Just makes me Which think is of where our story takes place. <laughs> Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah, right? Because it's like a paranormal thing. Yeah. Yeah. So many. So Coinkity. cool. Okay. So in 1912, two years later, uh, in December, the hospital asked, well, they didn't ask, I guess. They were probably voluntold, but <laughs> they um, added advancement cases for 40 more patients. So we're up to like 80 to 90 now. Isn't that exciting? We're moving up in the world. In a bad way. Yes. <laughs> so More isn't always good. Right, exactly. So now another two years later, in 1914, a children's pavilion was added. And they added another 50 beds. For kids. Which now made it around 130 patients. So in four years, we go from 40 to 50, to 80, to 90, to 130 in four years. We need medicine is what we need. Okay, so the children's pavilion was not only for sick children of tuberculosis, 
Um, I'm totally lying. It's for sick children and children with tuberculosis. I used the word or, I think, and that doesn't make sense. Okay. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. What's your question? So I probably do not know the answer. <laughs> um, so it's for just regular sick kids, but also kids with tuberculosis? To my understanding, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. I don't know if, like, sick is, like, cold sick or, like, cancer sick, but sick. Okay. In some regard. They're not feeling good. Okay. Okay. Um, so, due to repairs that were needed for the wooden structures, to make it more durable, construction started for a five-story building that could hold 400 patients that began in 1924. So that's the construction. Construction started 1924. 14 years from when they started. 14 years from when they started, and they go from 40 patients to 400. That's a lot. Craziness. That's 10 times the growth. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so the new building was opened on October 17th of 1926. So it took about a year and a half. No. It didn't. It took like two and a half years okay. <laughs> to upscale this fancy ter- tuberculosis sanitarium that was out in the country where no one came in or out. I'm just kidding. People got better and came out all the time. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I thought you were almost like, shit. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, most patients did didn't. die. Okay. They did not make it out. But there are survival stories if you want to put it in that aspect. Okay. So, since there was no medication available at the time to treat tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. <laughs> tuberculosis. Um, these patients were just offered, like, rest. A lot of open air because it was fresh out in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't like factories with smog right. and whatever else was going on and dirt and whatever. It was like a really pretty, like up on the top of a hill. And they got lots of good food and they got to just relax with other people that were sick and, you know, talk about memories and their families. And their families were able to come and visit, which I mean, I don't know a lot about tuberculosis. So I really don't know like how. It's carried from one person to another if it's, like, breathing. So, like, if they had, if their family, like, came and they had to wear, like, masks or something. I don't know. But I know their families were able to come and visit. Um, but the hospital was meant to be, like, isolation for them. Um, a lot – well, not a lot of the time. Some of the time, like, families were, like, having to be split. So, like, say the child got tuberculosis, only the child stayed there. And then, like, their families had to leave. Yeah. That's so sad. (sighs) Okay. So there are treatments that they attempted for tuberculosis in 1926. Sounds terrible. It is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Okay. So they thought that if the patient's lungs were exposed to ultraviolet light, that it would stop the spread of bacteria. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so there was some rooms. And basically, it was just like sunlight that you're on top, like on the porch and things like that. So, I mean, sounds okay. 
I don't know if ultraviolet light gets through your lungs, through like your skin and your muscle and all of that. But it was a good try. Open air and a lot of sunlight. Yeah, it was cool. Like, get the vitamin D. I get it. Probably we all need it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So since fresh air was also thought to be really good, you know, no like bad bacteria. Like if you're breathing in all this air of other sick people, it's probably not going to help you. Like get some open air with nothing crazy in it. But this one, I mean, you you basically got like stuck or they made you sit in front of like a window or on a porch, which sounds great, right? Like swinging on a swing or on a rocking chair, you know, like old grandpa out in the country and in the swamp area. But it got cold. And they still had to sit out there because it was supposed to be good for them with the open air. Yeah. I hate being cold. You do. I would be the grumpiest person you ever met. I don't know. It just sounds so sad. And they would be like covered in snow and having to be made to sit outside. Yeah, that's insane. It's not nice if you get frostbite. Okay. So this one is not very pleasant at all. Yeah. And a lot of people die. Okay. Because it wasn't a very good plan. But going from bad to worse. In 1920-ish to 30-ish. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was the best option that they had, right? So what they did <clears throat> is they would basically take a balloon. So picture you have a balloon in your hand. Okay. You're blowing up for a birthday party. I already don't like balloons. You don't like balloons? No. Really? Not the like kind that you blow up. That's what a balloon is. I'm confused. What's another? No, there's like the helium balloons, like the big birthday ones. Uh Those are fine. But But you don't like like I don't like the popping ones, the ones that can pop, like the helium ones, um, like the ones you buy at parties. You just don't like the noise because I can pop them without making noise. I'm pretty good at it. That's weird. (laughs) Why? You take so like the balloon is. Oh, you cut it. You mean? Sorry, podcasters. Um, but like you blow up the balloon and then you like take the end and you separate it a little bit and then you chip it. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, you don't. I don't pop it. Yeah. No, I just, they make me uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Well, I'm very sorry if I've ever gotten you a balloon. I don't think I have, but (laughs) I would have no idea. I don't have a phobia of them. I just. You're just not a fan. Yeah. What about the ones, like, I got them for my friends in high school where you, like, hit it like a ball and it starts singing? I've never seen that. Really? Mm -hmm. I did it one year for one of my friends in high school, right? And. In the high desert over winter, like, it gets really cold in the morning. So, basically, helium, if it's really cold, it deflates, Mm -hmm. right? So, basically, they were in class, and it was, like, deflated because it was, like, 20, 30 degrees outside in the morning. So, she takes it into, like, the classroom, and it starts warming up, right? So, basically, because it had expanded so much, it started just singing without people hitting it because it was, like, expanding. That's creepy. (laughs) She was, like, yeah, my teacher was getting really mad that it was, like, going off every couple minutes. And I was, like, oh, I'm sorry. That's an expensive balloon, so you better like it. It's probably like 15 bucks for a fucking balloon. I didn't even know it was a thing, dude. Yeah, okay. Anyways, sorry. One for your birthday. (laughs) In July, July. Okay, anyways, so balloons. Going backwards. Yeah. Two balloons. Okay, balloons. Picture them inserting a balloon into your lung (laughs) and blowing it up with air. To expand your lung capacity. No. Please don't touch my lungs. Please don't. So, 
this often did not lead to a very good outcome. And a lot of people died. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, they were thinking that it would expand your lung to get more oxygen. But, but I don't think that's how yeah, lungs work. Mm -hmm. So I do apologize, but that was a really bad idea. <sighs> okay, so basically it was seen as a last resort, but they still did it. And I don't agree with it. I don't think it should have been done at all. <clears throat> okay, so some of the patients did survive. That's insane. Right? The lung treatment? The balloon thing? Yeah, some people lived through that. Most of them did not, but there were people that did. And they got better? I don't know if those exact people got better, but there were people that survived the ballooning, and, and there were people that survived tuberculosis. Okay. I don't know if Maybe they, they intertwine at all. <laughs> Could have been different. Not my scope of expertise. Completely different. Okay. <laughs> so a lot, oh, not a lot, but some were actually able to leave Waverly Hills, and some were not. The people that were not... Okay, question. Oh, yeah. Cool. You might not know the answer. Sorry. Uh, probably not. But were they, like, forced to be there? Or they were there by choice? That is a very good question, and I don't think I have anything on that. Okay. So I don't know. Follow-up question. You probably don't have the answer since you don't have it to the first one, which is kind of connected. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. But now my follow-up question. Were they forced to do these treatments, or they were like, yeah, stick a balloon in me? I mean, I feel like it's, I mean, they probably had the option, like now you have the option whether to do a certain treatment or to not do yeah, it. Yeah, but this was I don't think, I don't see them being made to do it. Like, I don't think these were experiment people. You know what I mean? Like, I think they probably had the option, like you have a 10% chance of living, but would you like to try? Yeah. Okay. And Fair maybe enough. somebody said yes. I would not. If I had a 10% chance, I'd be like, no, I'll just die. It's cool. <laughs> Let me die the natural way. Yeah. It'll be fine, you okay. know? But uh, maybe someone really thought it would work. Yeah. I mean, and thought they were the exception to the rule. And we're like, you know what? Let's fucking do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's still obviously people to this day that do oh, procedures yeah. that have a really low survival rate. Yeah. But well, like, I guess. Even like you, brain surgeries and stuff. Yeah. Like those are getting more and more normal. And that's your fucking brain. Anyways, if you have any information, podcast listeners. You can totally write Jeanette at the haunted and the wanted at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Answer my question. Because, you know, I'm, I'm just an average Joe over here. Okay. So, basically, the people that did not make it, not just from the ballooning, from anything, they didn't make it. Is it okay. called ballooning or you just called no, it No, I that? just called it that. Okay, cool. I don't know what it's called. Okay, cool. Mm, yeah, there's no... Okay, there's no name. I don't have a name. I'm so sorry. Probably doesn't have a name. <laughs> it's probably fucking ballooning. Okay. <laughs> so, the people that didn't make it, there's an area on this sanctuary, right? This peaceful place. There's literally a hallway underneath the ground, Okay. Mm -hmm. That leads all the way down to the road where, like, trucks can come mm -hmm. and pick up dead bodies. So they would take these dead bodies and they would take them down this long hallway. That way no one saw them taking out a dead body because their thought was mental health is very important. Yeah. 
So that's good. That's very progressive. It's very progressive and very interesting. Every time you come over here, you take off your nails. I know. Stop it. They were so pretty. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I do it too, but you, it's like I every, every honest, two weeks you come over here and you're like peeling off your nails. I honestly feel like I see you doing it and then it makes... But I haven't peeled off my nails. No, but I see you like picking at your fingers and it makes me want to... Oh, you get like nervous? I don't know what it is. I'll wear gloves next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the tunnel. The tunnel is this long tunnel that leads down the road. They literally take their dead bodies down there, and they would be down there for like a week until the the truck came to come pick them up and take them up. But the mental health thing. The mental health is really cool, though. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty interesting. That's very interesting. Right? Like, hey, they don't want to care ruin about morale. These yeah. Like, oh, they're seeing like, other oh, people dying. Like, oh, there's ten people that died today. Yeah, let's not. Let's not bring them in and have these people. I mean, I don't know how many died. It could have been a self. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Could have been, like, a selfish thing. Like, let's make it seem like people mm, aren't people dying. People aren't dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could. Like, we're really working here or yeah. whatever. So, anyways. But, yeah, it led. Um, oh, sorry. Not to a truck. It led down to the railroad tracks. I apologize. Okay. For a train to take away the dead bodies. All right. So. A motorized rail and cable system. Motorized. Isn't that intense for the 1920s? I don't know. Like a cable system? Like the metro? That's what I'm picturing. It's a fucking metro. (laughs) Anyway. I don't think of like like the gold line. But yeah. So they basically, they, (coughs) sorry, the bodies were like lowered to the secret waiting room. And okay. So in the BuzzFeed episode, they go down there. It's called the body shoot, and they go down the body shoot, and um, <laughs> I forgot their names. What are the BuzzFeed guys' names? Ryan and I, I don't follow BuzzFeed. Something else. I apologize, but BuzzFeed men. One of them's named Ryan. Okay, so Ryan. Ryan and company. I think Ryan was at the top, and the other guy was at the bottom, but Ryan made him turn off the lights for a full 60 seconds while he was at the bottom. I wouldn't be able to do that. Ryan was at the top? I think it's Ryan. And One he of, made the guy who was... Yeah, at the bottom. He was like, I'm gonna, Right? They both went down, and he was like, I'm going to go back up. You're going to stay down here, and then we're going to turn off all the lights for 60 seconds. So he's the alpha male. Dude, crazy. Well, to my understanding... I believe his name is Ryan. I super apologize if it's off the opposite. But Ryan's the one who's like, he's very skeptical. He doesn't really believe in it. So he should have stayed down there. Right? Sounds I like know. Ryan's a little bitch. <laughs> We're going to get sued by BuzzFeed. Um, okay. So they did believe that their mental health was just as important as their physical health. And they believed that basically taking the dead bodies away could also help lower the disease of the spreading rate. Yeah. So pretty interesting. Very progressive. Very, very progressive. So it is unknown on how many people actually died during the time that this was open, but average from what I got from multiple sources was approximately around 6,000 people died there. Wow. And it was open, um, let me see. That's kind of a lot. It closed in 61. And it opened in 10? In 1910. So in 51 years, 6,000 people died there. Which... I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know the average of people dying yeah. from tuberculosis. Especially in that time and everything. Yeah. 
So, um, the highest number of deaths that occurred in a single year that's recorded is 152. Okay. Does that make sense to 6,000 though? For 51 years? 51 times 152. I feel like I'm trying to do math, but I feel like that doesn't add up to me. Well, it doesn't mean every year that amount of people No, 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 it doesn't. Because the by 1955, it had dropped to 42 deaths in a year. See? So we can't, like, base it on that. Okay, anyways. <laughs> um, dun, 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 dun. In 2001... We're moving on. It closed in June of 1961. That's basically all that happened. Okay. We're cool now, right? Cool. All right. So. It's a haunted house now. Of course it is. We can go take tours. They do tours now? They do do tours now. And, yeah. So it became a place for, like, homeless people looking for shelter, teenagers who like to break in, and ghosties. Our favorite. Our favorite. Our favorite ghosties. Okay, so one of the things that is seen, there's a little girl who's seen running up and down the third floor. I think the third floor is where most of this takes place. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think it's the third floor. So... There's a little girl who's seen running up and down. Okay, there's a little boy. I think his name is Tim. Okay. He likes to be spotted, and he likes to play with leather balls, like a like a bouncy ball. And so, in the BuzzFeed episode, this is where I'm going to tell you I don't know if I believe it as being a paranormal thing or not. So, the two guys from the BuzzFeed episode, they go up, and they go to play with Tim. So, they're in the thing. It's nighttime, and they throw a ball down the hallway. Ryan. I think I'm getting them mixed up. I think the other guy's name is Ryan. Okay. That's so sad. I haven't watched it in a little while. And now I can't remember. I don't think he cares. I hope not. Okay, I do apologize. But anyways, (laughs) so basically they throw the ball down. They're like, hey, Tim, like we want to play, right? So the ball bounces and it goes bounce, 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 bounce. So, like, the rhythm changes up the ball. Mm-hmm. So, that could be multiple things. It could be that, like, it hit a rock. Yeah. It could be that, I don't know, gravity changed? I have no idea. But it goes bounce, 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 right? Okay. So, they go down. The ball doesn't come back to them. They go down to look at the ball. They're walking down this long hallway, and they don't see the ball. And all of a sudden, they turn into one of the rooms, and the ball is stopped Right near graffiti on the wall that says Ryan. The guy's name. The investigator's name. Uh Uh-huh. His name, Ryan. And the ball stops right in front of his name. Creepy, right? So they take the ball and they go back to where they were standing. And he throws the ball the exact same. Well, he tries to, like, do the same thing to see where it would land. So he does it again. And he goes, bounce, 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 and stops. It's literally it in the, the middle same of the pattern. Uh-uh. 
It's literally in the middle of the floor. So he was like, I threw it the same way both times. How did one end up in the middle of the room and the other one end up in another room? Like it bounced into a room off of the hallway. I think it would have been really scary if if it did it it again. Yeah. But I think for them, if it would have landed the same way twice, he would have been like, oh, maybe the floor is slanted or something to where it's bouncing into that room. Yeah. Where this time it was like, oh, he was like, it knew it was him. And then I was like, I'm going to show you that like I did something because it landed different the second time. Yeah. Interesting. Creepy. If my name was Ryan, I would be freaked out. Yeah. Okay. So there's also a hearse that's appeared in the back of the building that's dropping off coffins. Scary. Wouldn't that be really weird to see like a car? Yeah. Like it's not a a person. It's a fucking whole hearse, you know? (laughs) It's weird. So there's a woman supposedly that has bleeding wrists, which I feel like a ghost you wouldn't be able to tell. I feel like a lot of it is just like you see like an outline of a person. But this literally says that there's like a woman with her wrists are bleeding and she's um, she's crying for help for other people. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. That's like a lot of information. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like... Yeah. You're right. But I feel like I've never... I don't think I've ever seen a ghost. I've had like an experience where could have been sleep paralysis, could have been a demon, oh, yeah, who yeah. knows. But as far as actually seeing a ghost, I've never had that. But I've heard encounters of like how you said sometimes it's just a very like an outline or you know, but some people report seeing details like Yeah, that's true. Like half a face or, you know, um yeah. burnt marks and stuff like that. So weird because sometimes people report that it looks like a full physical real person until like they disappear or yeah whatever. right still either way scary oh yeah absolutely terrifying no thank you no thanks okay so you can also hear uh like slamming doors um lights in the windows even if there's no power running to the building Strange sounds, you can hear footsteps in empty rooms. So there has to be, I mean, if 6,000 people died there, there has to be multiple, you know what I mean, like entities still rolling around in there. (laughs) Um, So there's um, one legend of a man who's seen that wears a white coat and he's walking in the kitchen and you can usually smell like um, cooking food when you see him. Um... Uh, da, 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 da. So we can also on the fifth floor, there's a story about these two nurses, right? So one of these rooms, it's 501 on the fifth floor. There's rumors that there was a woman that hung herself and committed suicide by a light fixture. Um, she was 29 years old. She was unmarried. But to our understanding, we found out that she was pregnant. So there was a couple different stories on, like, why she may have, like, taken her own life. It could have been depression because she was stuck in that hospital. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or there was a rumor that um, she got pregnant by one of the doctors. And so she killed herself to, like, get out of that predicament. So it could be a couple different things because that was probably, like, frowned upon, you know. Um there could have been that the doctor, there's one more rumor that like the doctor found out that she was pregnant and tried to attempt an abortion and it went wrong. And so the suicide was staged. So there's a couple different rumors, but five Oh room 502 is the most to the people. It's one of the most haunted rooms in the entire building. So very weird. Um, 
the only thing about the account of the woman hanging herself is that supposedly it was from a light fixture, but that pole that has like the light fixture wouldn't hold the weight of a person. So that's where it doesn't really quite make sense. And I mean, there's a lot of things though, that like if you were to hang something on a wall and you know, it might stay for a while until someone knocks it or something. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? So, like, it could have just been a one-off where, like, something was in a certain place and it just held it. You yeah. know what I mean? Until someone went and touched it and then it broke. So, there's a lot of things where I could see that, too. Um, that was in 1920. No, no, no. I lied. That was in 19, yeah, 28 is when she was found dead in that room. So then a couple years later in 1932, another nurse who worked in the same room is known to have jumped off of the roof patio and plunged to her death because it was, it was the fifth floor, you know? So there's a lot of records that show that 502 is haunted and can make you feel like bad things. Um, so just a couple little stories left and then we're good. So... Over the course of this building, and you walk through, through your nightly ghost tours. There's one tour um, that they say you could spend the night. No. I don't want to do it, so I'm just letting you know now it's not happening. But if you want to go, I mean, I'm down to go walk inside during the daytime. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I'm not staying the night. It's not happening. Yeah. You can't pay me. Not happening. Um, but... You can hear, like, ghostly sounds, slamming doors, um, the lights. Some people have had objects, like, thrown at them, which I don't know what objects are really left in the hospital to be thrown, but you can have objects thrown at you. Um, <laughs> That's people, one of the perks. Yeah. Some people said that they were, like, struck by unseen hands, which, to me, I don't know if you'd be able to feel, like, a distinct hand, like, if someone, like, grabbed you, but if someone, like, pushed you, I feel like that could feel like, remember, um, like we talked about like Fred in my old house where like I got pushed on like the stairs. Like, I guess I could have said that was like a hand if I wanted to be like he was being rude, but I honestly just felt like it was a shoulder and we were bypassing. So I'm thinking that one could be like if people and nurses were walking down like hallways and stuff back and forth that if you were walking and it was in their path that you could have just like bumped shoulders with somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I see it as. And then people see like apparitions. There's one apparition that's um, like a surgeon that you see like walking into a room. So different apparitions um, throughout the the hospital. But yeah. Sounds super spooky. Right? It's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, so that's the Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Wizards of Waverly Place. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a pretty good one. I really liked it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, it's sad. It is. It's really sad. There's like a, a lot, lot of, of people that died. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, 50 years. <laughs> You're still on the map. I'm still on the map. Like, 6,000 people. Like, you think it should be more? I think it should be less. Oh, less. Yeah, let me do math. Hang on. I have my phone. Let's calculate. Calculate. Because 100 people, if it was 100 people in 50, how many years? 51, right? 50. So 100 times 51 is only, I guess that's 5,000. So that makes yeah. sense. Never yeah. mind. I'm being fucking crazy. We can move on now. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready to tell your story? Uh, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> now that we all know that I can't do math without okay. Excel or calculator. <laughs> Let's figure out if there's a 10 in my story because I honestly can't. Yeah. I'm going to listen for a 10. That'd be super cool. All right. Here you go, Jeanette. Ready? Ready. Go. 
Okay. You know my story this week. Do I? You do. Like I know the story or I'm supposed to know what it is? Uh, both. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, we talked about this and I think it was one of the first stories that we ever discussed. I think this was before we even like start getting into it. But it's M- not a paranormal story. It's not a paranormal story. It's a true crime. Which is why I remember that we talked about it. And I think I told you about it and you were so mad and I was so mad because it's one of those stories that just pisses you off over and over and over. And you keep thinking it's going to get better or it's going to end and now things are okay and they're not okay. And they keep going from bad to worse to like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm done with this story. It's that story. You No, nothing? Oh my God. No? Mm, no. Let me tell you her name. Oh my god, wait. Wait, is it the one where she's pregnant? <laughs> no. Oh, damn it. This is the story. And you guys should all go and watch the Netflix. Shit, no. there's a Netflix one about it and I still don't know? Bro, you watched it. We've talked about it. I love Netflix shows. It's not a show. It's a documentary. A documentary. Mm-hmm. About a girl? A one-episode documentary. About a girl. Yes. Named Jan Broberg. Let me tell you about it, because okay, you, you're so not, confused. yeah, you're not, I'm not clicking. Okay, so this is a story, uh, oh, well, I don't want to tell you the name of the documentary yet. Let's see how long it takes you for the story to click. Oh, you did tell me this one. I know who it is now. Yeah? Okay, yeah, I remember. Okay. Do so, to say it? Yeah. Um, it's called, um, Abduction in Plain Sight. It's called Abducted okay, in Plain yeah, Sight, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's, I remember. the title <laughs> is very fitting for the story. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a literal, like, the title is the literal story. Mm-hmm. This girl was taken in broad daylight in front of everyone with, basically, with people's consent. People who should have protected her gave their consent for this to happen, yeah. in essence. Literally. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let me tell you. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell me. Tell me. It's the story, again, of Jan Broberg. Um, she was the first child to her parents who are named Bob and Marianne. Fucking Bob and Marianne. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's me. Okay. That's really rude. She had two sisters who were named Karen and Susan. She still has them. Um, as far as I know, mm-hmm. they're still all alive. So. Yeah, they should be. So this is, ba- it's basically an I survived, but. In a weird context though. It's a really, I mean, they're all sad. Like it's terrible stories. And I like them because, like, there's an inspirational, like, well, they survived. And, you know, you get to see, like, what people are capable of surviving. Right. But this one just feels so, so heartbreaking. It is. It's very heartbreaking. It's so It's because sad. it was preventable. So oh, yeah, definitely. Where a lot of other ones. More than ones. Aren't. Yeah. And it's, Okay. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, don't, okay. yeah, don't give it all. So away. again, Jen yes. is the main. Oldest. Yeah, um, she's the main character of the story, and then her parents again are named Bob and Marianne. Mm-hmm. She has two sisters named Karen and Susan. Okay, so they were raised in Idaho, and as her mother just pimp Idaho. Uh, so again, like I said, I'm I'm gonna I did leave out some details here and there, um, and I focus more on the core story yeah but you should go watch the documentary it's called abducted in plain sight it's great so good. it's gonna piss you off it's gonna break your heart definitely but, but if you so like yeah if you like these kinds of stories um and you like this episode then you should def- like the 
obviously the documentary does a much better job than I could ever do because they interview the family. Yeah. They interview her. And on top of that, they have a lot of audio of the, the criminal, right? Uh In this case. Yeah. So there it's, it has a lot. I don't, I'm getting yes. frustrated. Just tell the story. Okay. Tell the story. We're here. So We're the here family, um, they raised their kids in Idaho. And like I said, Marianne described it as a neighborhood where no one ever had to lock their doors. Of course not. Because definitely. her literal words, you could just trust everybody sure. in the neighborhood. Of course. We can always trust everybody. Okay. Until something happens. So in the documentary, um, like I said, Jen is interviewed several times. And she says that she... Or, oh, no, no, no. She says that her parents loved her and that she felt completely loved and completely secured. Um, and it's, like I said, I just keep repeating myself because this is just... Yeah, it's crazy. It pisses me off. Yeah. So it's heartbreaking. Um, she says those words, but I feel like there's so much trauma left that in in her and her whole family, when you hear the way they talk... And the way they explain things, you can hear the pain in their voice. Mm-hmm. But to me, and maybe this is just like me speculating, it seems like they never properly processed. Like, and what there's more, like, once I start telling the story, it'll make more sense. But they talk about other events that happen with so much more sadness than. Right. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. If you don't know the story, yeah. then I'm sure I'm just confusing you. You're like, shut up and just tell the story. But there, okay, so I would put it in a way where, like, there is a list of things that get more detailed as, like, one through ten. And they pick out these little, like, number two and number threes. Things where, that, like, there's a number ten yeah. that happened that's way more extreme than this number two. Yeah. And that's what you're sad over. Yeah, so they, they at least in the way that they tell their story in this documentary... Mm-hmm they were more affected by things that didn't matter as much. Right. Kind of thing. But I think, I mean, if you're thinking about some of the aspects that I'm thinking about, it's because those are what happened to them. Right. Okay. So let me get into it. Cause okay. I'm just going all <laughs> over the place and I feel like people are so r- losing interest. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so she says that she felt completely loved and secured and she says it with like a sadness, of course, cause it's like such a traumatizing event. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I think there's so much residual trauma and unresolved issues for her and her entire family. Yeah. Same. Okay. So like I said, uh, it makes you, it makes me sad and it makes me hate her family and it makes me hate what happened. And I feel like, you know, you can't judge until you're in the situation, but let me just tell you the story. Yes. I'm going to stop saying that and just actually tell you the story. <laughs> okay. So um, let's set up the story a little bit. And to do that, we have to go back in time before the problem started. And we have to tell you about a man who's also named Bob. So her her dad oh, is yes. named Bob. He's Well, his name is Robert. And I'm pretty sure her dad's name was Robert. But they Probably. both went by Bob. Uh-huh. But we'll call him B because that's what everyone called him. Yes. He's known as B, right? So his name was Bob Birchtold. Birch told. Um, so we're just going to refer to him as B from now on. Um, so Jan's mom, Marianne, met B uh, in church. So they were churchgoers, and this B man also went, uh, he was new in town. Okay. So he starts going to their church, uh-huh. and from the way that the story's told, at least, it seems like Marianne was the first one to meet him. No, she definitely was, because she introduced okay. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. So she meets B. And she thought he was great. Um, she met him in June of 1972. 
and he had a whole family. So this man, he was not even single. It wasn't a weird thing. Like he was a family man. That's right. He had a wife and he had kids. Yeah. An entire family. Yeah. And so after she met him, I guess she met the whole family because then she went to her husband, Bob, and she told him, I met the nicest family. So like I said, they had their own children and the children happened to be the same age or around the same age as Jen and her sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during this part of the documentary, all of her family members are telling the story from their own point of view. And it really makes you feel compassion towards them because they even in the way that they describe everything is so sweet. And like they describe this man and his family as like amazing people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just makes you feel like they're a really wholesome family. They're really wonderful. So Bob, uh, Jan's dad speaks very highly of B in the documentary. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just explains that they had a lot, a lot in common. Um, you know, they both were raising their families. They were both businessmen. <sighs> and he shares the story that one day they got back from church and to their house mm-hmm. and there was a fruit basket waiting for them. And it had a little note and it said, quote, this is so creepy in hindsight, right? Right. It said, we sure do enjoy your family, end quote. Yeah. And it was signed, the birch told. So it was signed by the entire family, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Marianne became good friends with the mom of the other family, whose name is Gail. And the two Bobs are friends. And pretty much it seemed like everyone was best friends with one of the members of the other family, right? We had a family yeah. like that. Uh-huh. So Robert, or B, I'm sorry, started giving all of the kids right to school in the mornings. And then every night he was coming over to hang out with Bob and Marianne. And he was playing with the kids, right? So. I guess. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that's like, if it's innocent, it's sweet. But. Right. When you know there's something that's going to go wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her sister or Jan's sister, Karen, described him as the fun dad. Um, But then she noted that it was very clear that most of his attention was focused on Jan. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as an adult, Jan comments that he had a lot of nicknames for her. But the one that really stuck was Dolly, like D-O-L-L-Y, like a doll, right? Uh And that's so creepy because, like I said earlier, throughout the documentary, there's a lot of audio tapes that were recorded for different reasons. (laughs) I remember. And (laughs) yeah, so B recorded this and he's talking about Dolly, right? And he's saying how much he how much she loves him and he loves her. And at one point he says, quote, Dolly, you brought a special light into my life. I love you more than words can tell. She looked at me. I bent over and we kissed. No man could love any woman more. She's a fucking kid. She's a kid. Yeah. Okay. So the first part of the documentary where you really realize that her parents at least had a vague idea that something was going on is that when her mom mentions that he would give a lot of special attention to Jen Uh and it bothered both of them. And I would hope so. What the fuck? They called his fashion fascination with Jan quote a little disturbing. Disgusting. That's a little disturbing. But never mind. I'm not gonna move forward yet. Okay, okay keep going. So Jan says she completely loved and trusted B because she felt like he, he she kind of felt like he was a second dad. And she felt like the love he had for her was, was the like same love that he had way. for his own kids, right? Yeah. Okay, so now let's go to the fall of 1972. 
Um, this is the first time in the documentary that I was completely floored. So this is a part that I'm sure you're thinking of. Okay. Okay. And it made me so mad. Um, it's one of those stories where you think that the person fucked up and that's going to be it. And that, like I said, you think that's it. It's going to get better. (laughs) And it doesn't. And it gets worse and worse. And it's unbelievable. And let me tell you all about it. Because... I'm so mad, right? <laughs> like, every time I think about this story, I'm just infuriated. Yeah, okay. So, one day, uh, B calls Marianne. Let me remind you. I feel like all these names are getting confusing. So, B is the guy. Right. Uh, Marianne is Jan's mom. Yes. So, this guy calls Marianne. Again, B has his own wife and his own family. And he called this other woman and he tells her like hey I'm hungry and I couldn't leave my job for for my lunch break bring me a sandwich right yes I remember and she does it yeah she literally she says her house and brings him lunch yeah she does it she said okay and she just casually says like oh it's just something that I started occasionally doing whenever he would call me and ask me to Uh so uh in her exact words he was just someone new with a great personality, and he had some of the charisma that Bob didn't possess. So she's... Eh. Yeah. No. <laughs> and at this point, you know, I was already knew it was going to go bad, but at this point, I'm pissed at the mom, right? Yeah, fucking bitch. Yeah, and I was just like, you fucking whore. I feel so bad for Bob, right? Because at this point in the documentary, he's already been shown. And he just looks like the sweet old man. Right. <laughs> he looks like a total pushover. And he just looks like a loving father, right? So at this point, I'm like, this bitch is walking all over him. And he probably didn't even want to have B around. But, like, she was like, oh, he's so fucking great, right? Yeah. So at this point, I'm fucking furious with her. So, yeah. So Marianne is telling her story. And she's just saying that B would flirt with her and tell her how beautiful she was. And that that made her really excited. And she says that eventually they ended up hooking up. And again, I'm so fucking pissed, right? Gross. Hearing the story. And I'm just thinking like, oh, Bob, you poor old man. <laughs> uh, your woman cheated on you. You don't deserve that. I was so mad at her. And immediately after she says that, they pan the camera back to Bob. And now he's yeah. talking and uh-huh. he's telling the story about how one day Robert came looking for him and asked him, you know, will you take a ride with me? I'm really stressed. I just need to vent and talk. Right. So yeah. the first time I watched the documentary, I was like, oh, he's going to tell um, Bob that his wife oh, cheated on right. him. That's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. He's going to tell him what happened because he wants to break them up. Right. Um, but he didn't. They end up driving somewhere and they park and he's just venting about how much he hates his wife and how badly he wants to have sex. And so now I'm like, oh, he's going to try and get Bob to cheat on his wife so that they both cheat on each other and are mad at each other. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. No, that's not. But what happened is that <laughs> this man, this story is fucking B, crazy. he tells Bob that he needs relief and he asks Bob, can you help me? And then he laughs and he said, oh, come on, Bob. It's just kid stuff. And then Bob does it. Literally. Bob jacked him off. Yeah. 
And they... Do you really believe it was just hand job? I don't. I don't either. In the documentary... You can tell he's holding back. He said... I, I feel like he's holding something back. He in, doesn't want to admit it. In the documentary, he cries about it. Yeah. And... Like I said, this is part of... This is one of the things where he is just so heartbroken. And he's crying. And he's like... Over something that happened to you, not... Yeah, over something coming in that future. you chose to do. Right. And yeah, like you fucked up. But it just seems like that affected him so much more than the rest of the story. Exactly. Which is insane. Yeah. The whole thing is insane. He did it. And like like we're talking, um, I don't think it was just that. I don't think so either. Uh, but whether it was or wasn't. It doesn't. Even I, if it was, it's still right. crazy. It doesn't fucking matter. But yeah. It seems like there was more to it, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, B later confessed to whoever. I don't know if it was to the cops or to Robert, or I'm sorry, to Bob or whoever, but he did confess that he only did that because he wanted to get closer to Jen. So he's just doing this to manipulate people His and parents. Or her, th- parents. her parents, yeah. right? And um, find a way to get them out of the way so that he right. has more access to her, right? Uh-huh. So he literally seduced both of her parents just because he's like so fixated on Jen, right? So gross. Okay. Um, at one point, it uh, B went and quote went and got professional help to get over his to overcome his obsession with her. Um, and when he comes back, he says that his therapist or psychiatrist or whoever was giving him the help, right, said that his treatment was that he needed to be alone with their daughters. That's right. Oh my god. So he comes back to Marianne <gasps> and Bob and tells them. I, I'm getting over uh, this whole thing with Jan. But to do that, I need to be alone with her. And I need to, like, cuddle her while she's asleep. Mm-hmm. And. Nope. Fuck that shit. Fuck. <laughs> nope. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Bob's response was, okay, I trust you. And they literally let him climb into I'm bed with her. So irritated. And stay with her. And he did this about four times a week for six months. I want to murder somebody. Okay, okay, let's go. So it did later come out that the person who prescribed, you know, this treatment had actually had his license revoked. So oh, he, hell yeah. He, like prior to him. So I mean, obviously, and if he wasn't provoked, then he is going to be now, asshole. What the fuck? Uh, so the investigation, oh, so the investigation later on, you know, this is fast forwarding a little, but it showed that, um, B was constantly giving Jan vitamins and allergy pills because she was, she had like a lot of allergies. So he was constantly giving her this, but it ended up just being sleeping pills because he was trying to, he, he was drugging her the whole time. Right. So, um, okay. Bob, her dad comes on the screen again and he says, this is insane. Okay, so he says, I never had an inkling that he had sexual designs on Jen. Are you fucking kidding me? This, I, I don't know if sexual designs is a correct term or if he messed up, if he meant sexual desires for her. Yeah, I'm But either way, whatever, yes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's bullshit. You know you knew. Well, then he goes on to say, I don't know how we could have been so gullible when there were so many red flags. Literally. But he says, I didn't see any red flags. That's what he says now, so he doesn't go to fucking jail. So in June of 1973, Jan was taken on vacation with the Birchholds. And one night at dinner, 
the way that B told the story is that she started acting really weird and she was like saying weird stuff and just kind of like because he gave her a fucking allergy sleeping pill probably yeah so he says that she was just kind like swaying around (laughs) yeah i feel like you (laughs) took all my anger um so that she's she was rocking back and forth and they're at dinner with the whole family so he says i need to take her back to the room and then jan's perspective of this is that she remembers being carried back to the room and that she felt really groggy and at one point when she like came back to consciousness uh, she woke up and he was naked. So there was that. And um, later his behavior was analyzed and they have concluded that what he was just trying to do with all these actions, this is separate from like that incident at the hotel, but he was just really trying to destroy everything that was in his way to get to Jan, right? Uh-huh. So he was just trying to do all these things to separate her from her family as quickly as possible. One of the things that he did was that he physically put a wall in between Jan and her sister because they shared like a basement kind of room. Right. And yeah. it was like a really big room. And he said, he oh, you guys are getting old. We should put a, a wall between. And they were excited because, you know, your kids, you right, want your, you own, want your space. own space. Yeah. And so they all agreed and he built the wall. So he literally put a wall between her and her sister um and that was really because he wanted to be able to be with her and have no one else around right so she tells another story of one time when he was sleeping over at he at his house and it seems like from what i gathered from her story that all the kids were there so it was kind of like a a big sleepover right Mm -hmm. And they had a big trampoline in the backyard. This was at B's house. Okay. And they fell asleep. I don't remember. My notes say that everyone fell asleep. I don't remember if it was just them or the whole family was there or whatever. But they all seemed to have fallen asleep on it, right? Okay. On the trampoline. Right. When Jan woke up, her panties were had been pulled down and they were by her ankles. And then Robert was next to her, next to her and his arm was over her. And then when she woke up confused, he said, oh, you you were fussing around in your sleep. You probably felt uncomfortable and you pulled your panties down. So that was his explanation. Grown ass fucking man. And I can't. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she said, okay, actually, I don't remember if this was the part because there's so many parts to the story. Yeah. I don't remember if this was the exact part. But at some point she did say that she kind of tried to believe it because it felt more it felt like more of a reasonable explanation than to think that he would hurt her or do anything to hurt her. So she just kind of like accepted what he was telling her. Right. Okay. So now we fast forward, dude, this is just the beginning. On October 17th, 1974, B calls Mary Ann. The fucking 70s. So B calls Mary Ann and he says he wants to take Jan horseback riding and her mom was kind of hesitant. She was just kind of saying, like, oh, it's a school night. She has piano class. And he says, you know what? I'll pick her up after piano, and then I'll have her back before your husband gets home. So she agrees, and he picks her up from her piano class. And he told her, like, oh, I brought your allergy pills. You should take some because, you know, we're going where you're going to, like, yeah. start feeling the congestion or whatever. And so she agrees, and she takes them, and she passes out. Of course. Okay. So now we're going to her family's point of view eventually we're going to come back to her point of view from this day right all right but now we're back to her mom's point of view basically it's nine o'clock at night and b still hasn't come back and jen obviously hasn't come back they're both missing right so at nine o'clock uh b's wife gail comes over and she's worried and marianne says oh we should call the police and gail talks her out of it and said oh no they'll be back soon 
two days go by. Fuck that, no. <laughs> Hell no. And her mom, Marianne, says, I didn't want to call anyone because I didn't want to upset Gail. I fucking hate people. You're going to pick your fucking neighbor over your missing daughter? Bro, fuck Gail. Fuck her mama. Fuck her grandma. I don't care <laughs> who I... No. Okay. You pick your kids. And if you don't know who your fucking kid is, you better find out. For real. Oh my God. I hate the story. So two days into <gasps> the daughter being missing, Bob Bob finally acts as a voice of reason. And he says, you know, we need to involve the law. So they call on Saturday morning. They call the FBI. Uh, but they get a recording that says that the office is closed. And they're going to be closed for the whole weekend. But there's a number that she can call if she has an emergency. And she said, I didn't want to get these people. She says, I didn't want to get these people worked up over nothing. Over nothing? Your daughter is missing. Okay. So let's fast forward, right? People are going to hate this episode because I'm yelling. (laughs) I super apologize. I'll shut up. It's October 22nd. So it's been five days since they've been missing. They finally talked to Detective. I I, want to say it's Detective. I don't remember what his title was, but I want to say he was like the lead detective on the case, right? Okay. Pete Welsh. Mm -hmm. Here, I have it actually. Like immediately right after his name. Yeah, it usually comes one line after So it says he was the FBI special agent who was assigned to Jan's case. And he's also interviewed on the documentary. So he's describing all of the things that B did and, um, or he's describing how B was as a person and how people viewed him. And he was, quote, a pillar of the community. Because they always are. All the pedophiles, all the rapists. That's how they get away with all this yeah. shit. Because people think that they're a great person right. and that they're a big part of the community. Exactly. Okay. So he says that they didn't suspect foul play, um, even though it had been five days. Oh, no. He says that the family, Jan's family, didn't think anything was wrong and they didn't suspect foul play even though it had been five days, but he was thinking clearly. And so he knows that something's up, right? Did that make sense? You look confused. I know. I am a little confused, but I feel like maybe I just... Okay. So he's saying that the family's acting so calm and thinking that nothing bad is happening, or at least pretending to. Uh But he's thinking clearly. So he knows that something's Something's up. He's like, it's been five days. Your daughter's missing with an adult man. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Marianne says that she told the FBI agent that she didn't think he had kidnapped her and that they had just gone somewhere. And he literally had to tell her like, yo, he kidnapped her. She's your daughter. She's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Upon interviewing his wife, Gail, they find out that he has a motor home and they went looking for it and they realize it's gone. So they find his car and it's been abandoned and the window had been broken from the inside out. And there was a lot of blood left on the car because it seems like he wanted to be able to use the excuse that someone had kidnapped them. Right. So he wanted to make it seem staged like, or he tried to meet, he tried to stage it so that. Yes. You get what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Like he wanted to have to make them think that they got kidnapped. Right. He just left. There were tire tracks though, leaving from the car that seemed to belong, belong to a motorhome. So a nationwide search was set into motion because they're trying to, locate rob or i'm sorry b and jen for weeks right for weeks as the investigation continued detective welsh interviewed many people in the community and he found out that it was known that he had an infatuation for little girls so now they interview in the documentary robert's brother and he says 
quote, literal quote, my brother was always a sexual pervert. He always did like his little girls. Gross. He had a need to fulfill because he was a pedophile. And I knew that. Absolutely disgusting. So then the detective learned that he had previously tried to get to two other little girls. But luckily, those little girls' parents had cut him off in time. Okay, back to the first day that she was taken, right? So yeah. we're switching over to her point of view. Okay. Um, so when he took her, uh, he gave her allergy pills, and she fell asleep. Benadryl does that to me, too. Yeah. I take it before I get on a plane. Yeah. It makes me all tired. I just nap. I love things that make me go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I do NyQuil a lot. And they say NyQuil's disgusting. But it, it makes you sleep. Blech. It makes you sleep. You can take Benadryl, and it doesn't taste bad. Okay. So, <laughs> um, she woke up and she has been strapped down to a bed, right? Because remember I told you that they were in his motor home at this point. Right, right, right. Yes. So, she's on a bed and she's strapped down and there was a radio next to her head. And a monotone voice came on through the radio and it was talking to her. And basically what he did was that he try and play it off in a way... So the story that he constructed is that aliens had come down and taken them. And so the little voice talking through the radio Uh was a little, like, alien-sounding voice, right? Okay. So basically, the voice tells her that uh, she is half alien, half human, and that she has a mission, that she needs to have a baby to save the human or the alien species that she belongs to i'm sorry but no um no one puts you on a fucking mission nobody you put yourself on missions what yeah like you say i need to go to the store and you accomplish your mission when you go to the store no one's like hey you need to do this on your mission that doesn't happen well it's just a little kid though so she's like being brainwashed i know but and she was drugged. Yeah. That always makes it worse. So basically, they tell her, you know, this is your mission. You have to do this. Um, you're supposed to have a child. And it's going to save the alien planet that she's from, basically, right? And they tell her that if she doesn't follow through, then they're going to take her other sister, Susan. And um, they kind of just tell her that her male companion is going to be Robert. A.K.A. B, right? The, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they tell her that he's the one that she's meant to be with and that he's the one that needs to impregnate her. No. So he basically made a whole story about how the aliens had attacked them and he made her believe that it was her idea because she came out after hearing that message and she saw him knocked out based or pretending to be knocked out. So that he went that far to like yeah. pretend yeah, yeah. to be knocked out. Yeah. Because he wanted her to believe that the aliens had taken them and that it was her idea, even though she was told, you know, this is your mission. Mm-hmm. He wanted her to believe that it was not coming from him, you know, that it was never his idea that he was going to go along with the request that she made basically. Right. Gross. Yeah. So during the time that he has her, mm-hmm. he rapes her several times um it's been 35 days and he calls his brother 
and B, B calls his brother, right? Uh-huh. And he tells him to call Mary Ann. Which is her mom. Her mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he wants her to give written permission for him to be able to come back to Jan into the United States and for them to be able to marry in the U.S. Because at this point, they're in Mexico. And he had married her there, but he wanted to live back in the United States. And obviously, she's underage, so they can't do that here. But I guess if he has written permission. Um, So she finally does something right, and she refuses to agree to that, right? Um, And Robert's brother, or B's brother, decides to turn him in. And he calls the police, and he lets them tap their calls so that they can track him down. Okay. And they do. So they locate his exact position... They find the motorhome, and they kick down the door, and they go inside. And they basically rescue Jen, right? Wrong. That's not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) You would think this would be at least where the story ends, and everything is fucking perfect. Yeah, I know. But no. So they take them, and Robert bribes one of the Mexican police officers. Uh, I think he gave him, like, a ring or some piece of jewelry that he was wearing. And okay. he tells him, like, in exchange, the officer brings Jan down to where he is being held in the cell. And B tells her, uh, like, he feeds her the story. And he's like, uh, we can't tell anyone because, you know, this is our mission. And he makes her believe that aliens are watching them at all times. And reminds her, you know, like, if you don't do this, they're going to take your sister. Um And makes her believe that he's just trying to help her to complete her mission. And he tells her that the aliens have four rules that she needs to follow. And that's that she cannot talk about the aliens. She can't talk about the relaxing pills. She can't talk about her mission. And obviously she can't talk about any of the sexual experiences they had. Because then... Isn't one of them that she can't say that they're married there? No. 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 Just that she she shouldn't talk about... Basically him raping her. Right. Obviously he's covering his ass. But like to her, it's like, oh yeah, got to make sure I keep this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if she didn't follow these rules, her sister Karen would go blind. According to him, her dad would be killed and her other Susan would be taken since she wasn't able to fulfill her mission. And she was told that she, meaning Jen would be vaporized and her spirit would be taken and she was pretty religious I guess they were like really into church and so that was the scariest threat that they made to her because obviously if you're religious and you believe in heaven and hell Mm -hmm. your whole thing your main focus a lot of the times is like you want to make sure your spirit when you're dead is goes to heaven or you know and so it was so scary to her to think that you know her spirit would be taken somewhere else where she didn't (sighs) want to go So now Jen is reunited with her parents, but obviously she's fucking traumatized and she's brainwashed. And her parents, you know, during the interviews, they said that she was no longer the same little girl that they had before, which, of course, she's not, you know, she's been through so much. Um, So she started being very standoffish and she was constantly sticking up for B whenever, like, they would say anything bad about him. Um, And also she was constantly obsessing over him because she's not with him she knows he's in jail or, like, wherever they had him at the time. Right. So, obviously, they can't fulfill their mission if he's not around or if she's not around him. And so, more time goes by and she starts drifting and drifting farther and farther away from her family. So, during this time, the detective instructed Jan's family to stay away from B's family. But did they listen? Of course not. Of- they listened to Aunt Oda. 
Okay, so obviously they did it. Yeah. On Christmas Eve, Gail, who is B's wife, yes. comes over to visit them. And she asks to speak to uh, Bob, the dad, in private. No. And so they do it. <laughs> yeah. And basically she asks him to convince his wife or, you know, for them to make the decision to drop all the charges against B. And she says that if they don't, then they're going to expose Bob for having sexual relations with B. So basically they're going to out him, right? Yeah. And of course, what do they do? They sign the papers. They drop the charges. And they got a lot of backlash, but they stuck by their decision. And then B's released. When he got out, when B got out, he moved to Utah to work with his brother, whose name is Joe, uh, whatever. But he would go back every weekend to the community where Jan lives. And he would even show up to church. And he was welcomed. And basically people would be like, we know you're going through so much. Like, you, we know you'll overcome it. Yada, yada, yada. No, he's an ass. Kick him out. Uh, Yeah, of course. During this time, he would visit Jen. And this part, I don't know. Because um, he was coming to see her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was with permission or not. They didn't really explain that part. Or if he was just, like, breaking into the house constantly. Or if, like, maybe they were letting him in because... They've been doing that the whole time, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he would come back. He would talk to her about the mission and basically just keep install- instilling in her that she needs to follow the rules mm-hmm. so that they can be safe. So he would send her love letters and make her feel like they were meant to be together. And so he's just like continuously brainwashing and gaslighting her. And so at this point, she tells her mom that she loves him and that she wants to marry him and that they want to have kids together. And during this time, B is calling her mom, Marianne, and telling her that he loves her and that, you know, it was all a big misunderstanding and that he's really in love with her, meaning Marianne, the mom. And, okay, he convinces her to come talk to him. He convinces the mom. Yes. To, to come talk to him. Yes. To because meet. he's in love with her. Yes. And so he explains everything, whatever that means. And he's, like, telling her we can have a great life together. You should get divorced. And then they have sex. This is after. So now he has two parents under his control. Not well, she had, he, they had already hooked oh, up. That's right. But the first time, not that I think is excusable, but, like, at that point, things weren't that bad. But now he's used you. He's used your husband. He took your, your daughter. daughter. Yeah. And you still go back and you have sex with him. I'm sorry, but like that has to give Jan so many mental issues. Could you imagine like getting taken from this guy? And especially, okay, I don't know if like Jan knew about this, what was happening, but like she's telling her mom, like, I'm in love with this guy, blah, blah, blah. And then her mom goes and has, goes to have sex with her. I'm pretty sure she didn't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but. yeah. Still, like, how fucked up? So, let me tell like, you. It's not like, hey, let me get my daughter help. She's in love with a 40-year-old man. It's, oh, hey, she's in love with a 40-year-old man. Let me go fuck him. No. You fucking bitch. Okay, sorry. So, obviously, B's just doing this to have the upper hand and exactly. have something to hold against her. Mm-hmm. So, then he goes and tells Bob, her husband, yeah. what happened. And their marriage starts falling apart. 
uh, if it wasn't already, because they've been through a lot, you know? Yeah. So, them having sex didn't happen one time. Their affair lasted for eight months, and Marianne describes it as, quote, an exciting time for her. Ew. Okay. So, Bob files for a divorce, and she was served to leave the house, because at this point, Bob is finally, like... I don't know if he's realizing and, like, really caring about his his daughters or if it's more of, like, my wife is, like, legit fully cheating on me. But either way, uh, when when she was served to leave the house, it's a, you know, that she's endangering their children. And the way they talk on the interviews, it really seems like the divorce had, like, much greater impact on them than the kidnapping basically because they, they all get really emotional and sad and I'm like yeah I mean divorces suck your spouse cheating on you sucks but like you're going through a lot more than yeah you know what I mean exactly so they're all fucking traumatized and basically B is pitting them against each other and he's trying to make them hate each other he's uh, not trying he's fucking accomplishing it yeah he's doing a good job um but at this point, when when Bob filed for divorce, it really, like, snapped Marianne out of it because she realized how much she was going to lose, basically. And they go and they have, like, a long talk and they basically, like, decide that they still love each other and that they've been through so much and that they want to, like, stay together as a family. So they agree together that they're going to get him out of their lives and decide, to, you know, like I said, to stay together and keep trying. So now in 1976, B agrees to a plea deal of felony charge of kidnapping, and he's sentenced to five years, but he got a total of only 45 days. That's fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I guess he didn't have to serve it right away. He had like a time limit, so you have to come serve these 45 days within a certain time, but it wasn't right away that he was taken to jail. So he he leaves for Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And Jan has a meltdown and she throws a fit saying that she wants to go work there for the summer. And she was just like very miserable because she's just obsessed with completing the mission. And obviously he's far, so she wants to be where he's at. So she starts causing a lot of trouble at home. You know, she's traumatized. Mm -hmm. So B calls Marianne and he said, if you don't let her come, she's going to run away. And she told me she's like planning to hitchhike. And so he's basically making it seem like she's going to be in way more danger if she doesn't just, if Marianne doesn't give Jan permission, right? Right. So now, I can see the logic a little, because he, like, put that idea in her in her brain. Right. So Marianne. And, like, it's going to happen either way. Yeah. yeah. Might as well just make sure she gets here safely. Exactly. Instead of getting taken by some crazy, which is him anyway. Right. So Marianne takes her and he puts her on a plane to Jackson, or to Jackson Hole. So Bob is pissed, and he tells her that she's going to regret that decision someday. So Today's the day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> after spending two weeks there with him, Jen is more convinced than ever that she's in love with him and that she has to complete her mission. And B did, at the end of those two weeks, put her on a plane and sent her back home. And I think it's just because he knew that Jan was fully brainwashed and that she was never going to be okay with not being with him. Mm-hmm. So he was just confident, and he knew things were going to work out for his favor, right? So Jan is furious that she's back home and now she's more different than she's ever been and acting like she hates everyone in her family. And B continues calling and threatening that she better cooperate or 
he's gonna now he's now threatening that he's gonna take Jan. So and, he's calling like Mary yeah. and telling her to cooperate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's telling her that if she doesn't, he's gonna leave with Jan to another country and they'll never see their daughter again. So she tells him to leave them alone, and he got mad because she like kind of fought back a little. Mm-hmm. So Jan goes missing a second time on August 10th, 1976. She had only been home for a few weeks when she goes missing again. Mm -hmm. And this time she left a note behind and it said that she had run away because they wouldn't let her be with B. He calls the next day after she runs away and says that Jan told him that she ran away and that she wouldn't even tell him supposedly where she was. Right. So they wait two weeks God damn it, these parents. Because they were scared that the story would get out. And they... To make them look bad. Mm-hmm. And so they even went as far as to... Like, when people would ask, where's Jen? They would be like, oh, she's at her grandma's house. Oh, my God. Yeah. So two weeks later, they call. And they tell the detective what happened. So on September... Could you imagine being the detective? I mean, like... The hey, detective, you can he tell... He has to have the biggest headache He is so ever. frustrated. And you could tell, like, obviously it really hurt him that they were doing such stupid right. things. Yeah. You, in the... You, you just see, like, all the frustration Ugh. in him. So on September 1st, uh, which is three weeks after she went missing, B started serving his jail sentence. Um... Because, like mm-hmm. I said, he had a time limit, so he right. went. Okay. So he spends 10 days in jail. That's it. Wait, wait, wait. Like, okay. So he spends 10 days, but, like, he has to go back for the other 35? Or, like, he I spent 10 that, and it was, like, good behavior? I think it like, might have been, like, good behavior. God so, damn mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So he moves back to Salt Lake City, and he basically falls off the face of the earth. No one knows where he's really at. Um, he's just kind of doing his thing. So he's still calling Mary Ann, and he would just call and cry. And basically was like, I don't know where she's at. He was all upset about his life, yada, yada. So their calls were obviously all tapped and recorded at this point. And he tells her that from, he says that he didn't know where Jan was, but like once in a while she would call him. And from what she was telling him, it was that she was living a really hard life. And I think he says, like, she's using drugs. She turned to prostitution because, like, she has no way to support herself. Mm-hmm. And he acts like, other than that, other than the little bit of information she's giving him, he doesn't know much. This continues for three months. Mary Ann, during one of these phone calls, asks him, do you still want to marry her? And he responds, there will never be anybody for me but Jen. That's disgusting. Never. It's absolutely disgusting. And yeah, you can hear the, this audio on the documentary because they have a lot of audio from this whole thing. Mm, yeah. I haven't watched it in so long. So about 90 days into her second disappearance, they find his motorhome and they just start surveilling him for about three weeks. And at one point he's questioned. He says he has no idea where she is. But they go into his motorhome, right? Mm-hmm. And it's covered in poster-sized pictures of Jan. This so gross. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Even like two consenting adults. Right? Like poster-sized pictures. Crazy. No. 
During the documentary, they like I said, they have a lot of audio played. And one of, oh, this part was really sad. They have a phone call because they had tapped her family's um, phone. Right. So this is recorded. And she calls home to check in with them, basically, just to let them know that she's alive. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad because you can hear how upset. Like, I think her sister picks up mm-hmm. and she starts bawling. And she's like, I miss you. Where are you? Are you okay? And Jazz just, like, acting really calm. And when they ask her specifics about B, like, she just kind of shuts them off. So it's, I don't know, it's heartbreaking. Um, So day 102 of her second disappearance, November 11th, 1976. So B is still being followed. They're just kind of watching him, trying to find, catch him messing up, right? Right. Because they can't track anything at this point. He walks across the road from where he lives to a payphone, and he makes a phone call, and he's in there for, like, 10 minutes. So when he leaves, um, they go in to the phone book, or to the phone booth, uh-huh. and he had left the phone book open, and there was a phone number written on there, and they, uh, they, they trace the number, uh-huh. and it goes to Pasadena, California, and it's a Catholic girls' school. My God, that's right. Yeah, crazy. So basically, um, when they finally, it takes a lot of convincing to get information about Jan. Right. He had changed her name when he enrolled her to Janice Tobler. Tobler. And basically, what ended up happening is that the night he took her for the second time, he drove her to California, enrolled her into the all girls Catholic school. And it was a boarding school. Mm-hmm. And basically what he was doing was visiting her on weekends, right? Okay. So he would drive to California to see her during the weekends. He told the nuns that his daughter, uh, or he told her that, he told them yeah. that Jan was his daughter uh-huh. and that he was a CIA agent. He told them that they had escaped from Lebanon because this was during the Lebanon crisis. Okay. And they, and that her mother had been killed And he could only see her on the weekends because, you know, he's a CIA agent. But he basically made it so that they believed that if anyone were to come looking for her, it was the enemies. It was the bad guys trying to kill her. (laughs) And they believe him. And so that's why it took so long for the detectives to be able to, like, get a hold that she was actually there because they were, like, hesitant. They were like, oh, this might be someone trying to kill her, right? But eventually they find out that she's there. She's under a different name. He's arrested the next day and taken to jail. And Jan was picked up in Pasadena and basically forced onto a plane to go home. She was very upset about it. She didn't want to do it, but she had to. When she walked through the door of her house, she didn't acknowledge anyone. She walked straight past them and into her bedroom and just shut the door. So, um... During the interview, she said that at that point, she was completely gone, and there was no longer any part of herself that was there anymore. Yikes. Yeah. So she's completely different, completely distant, and empty. They described her as emotionally gone, and now she's been home for 38 days. So it's January 24th, 1977. Bob's business was set on fire. Ooh. Yeah. Jan was so traumatized that she was sure that it was her fault um, because, you know, she she's not fulfilling her mission. So things are starting to happen, like bad things, right? So now everything that goes wrong, she feels like it's her fault. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Terrible. Um, so it basically came out that 
B had hired two guys because he was in jail at this point. He had been arrested, right? So he hired two guys. He convinced them to go burn down the business. But they basically knew it was him. Mm-hmm. But there was no direct evidence. So they couldn't get him on that. I want a body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on June 1977, B was ordered or court ordered into a mental facility because he managed to get out of everything and just kind of plea insanity in a way. And so he's ordered into the mental facility and he's released less than six months later. Eighteen months after Jen had been home, she's still completely fixated on her mission and is communicating with him. But it was really starting to slow down. And in the interview as an adult, she says that she believes that he was losing interest because she was getting older. So Mm -hmm. she was no longer like the little girl that he wanted. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until she was 16 that she was able to start moving a little past her trauma. But I mean, it was still bad, but because I think by her 16th birthday. there was something that was supposed to happen by her 16th birthday. Yeah, she was supposed to be pregnant. Okay, Mm -hmm. so because it wasn't fulfilled, like, something was supposed to happen to her. Yeah, okay. And, okay. So, uh... Sorry, this is your story. Damn, Like, it's coming back to me! Um, okay, so she went to camp, right? Like, she wanted to go to this camp, and her parents were like, yeah, we need to let her live her life as a normal kid, so that she goes off. And there was this boy, and I don't remember, I think they liked each other. He buys her ice cream, and she's... I think she was, like, into it, but then she starts freaking out, because... She has a mission that she needs to complete, right? So she calls her mom the next day, or or that night, I think, because she's freaking out, right? And then during the conversation, the mom I just casually mentions that the dogs are sick, and she has a complete meltdown because she thinks the dogs are dying because of her, because mm-hmm. she didn't fulfill her mission, she's not doing what she's supposed to do, right? So she, she goes to bed that night, freaked out. The next day, she talks to her mom again, and she says the dogs are fine, they're better. So Susan, um, oh, so at this point, I think her 16th birthday had passed and everything was normal. Mm -hmm. So her quote is, the dogs are fine. Susan, her little sister, is still home. Mm -hmm. Karen, her other sister, is not blind. Mm -hmm. Her dad isn't dead. And then she, this was her thought, right? Her thought process when nothing happened. She was like, oh, all these things didn't happen. And then she says, she thinks to herself, are these people still even watching me? Are they even real? Mm-hmm. And she's so traumatized that her very next thought was to think, oh, just kidding. I know you're real. Because she was scared that right. if she was questioning them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still bad, right? Okay. No, no, no. So her birthday hadn't passed because this is where it comes up. But she's, she's like, getting so close and nothing bad's happened yet. So she's yeah. still, like, iffy. So now her 16th birthday, she's panicking. It's her deadline. It gets so bad that she gets a gun and she decides that she's going to tell her sister about the mission. And if her sister doesn't want to do it, she's going to kill her and then she's going to kill herself. Oh my God. Okay. But she doesn't. The next day she wakes up and everything is normal. Everything is fine. And it finally hits her that it's all going to be okay. So at some point she tells her friend and her sister, like everything she tells them about the mission and she starts like really opening up and they decide that she should tell her parents, which she does. Mm-hmm. And this this part, so many things in this interview frustrate me. Her sister comes on to talk about how all of this was so hard for her and her parents. And she's not blaming Jen, but she's 
I'm like, this isn't about you. Like, your sister went through right. all this. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I guess, I don't know. It's obviously hard for everyone. Right. And they all... They all went through something. Yeah, and they all really but... seem traumatized. It's really sad. But it it's still, all of it is so frustrating to me. So, all in all, it seems like there were more than 200 sexual encounters between Jen. Oh, my yeah. God. Poor Mm-hmm. So her mom starts interviewing Jen, right? Um, and she ends up writing a book called Stolen Innocence. Stolen Innocence. Mm-hmm. Uh, she finishes it. She finishes it. Can I talk today? <laughs> in 2003. Uh-huh. And then they both go on like a tour and they start talking at different events. B, because he's free, remember? He got out. He starts showing up at their events. and I thought he had to go back. No. Oh. Remember, he went to the mental facility, and then he got released. That's right. So he's he's calling them liars at their events, and he threatens them, and he says, I'm going to make your life miserable. He tells the press that they her parents gave him access to their daughters in exchange for sexual favors. Ew. And basically, Jan went and testified him testified against him in court. And you can also see this in the documentary, so if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because it's really, it's really good. Um, but she, she confronts him in court after not seeing him for 30 years. He denies all of the allegations and he says, I'm sorry you feel that way. So again, just like the gaslighting, like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do anything, but I'm sorry okay. that you feel like something bad happened. Um, he got a stalking injunction for the rest of his life, even though it usually doesn't happen like that. Usually it's only for like a short amount of time, Okay. but he got it forever. So. That's kind of good, I guess. Okay, so at one of their events, um, I don't know if they were always for security or if they were just there. I, I forgot this part, like the details. But basically, there was a, a bike gang, and they're called, uh, or the the acronym is BACA. So it's Bikers Against Child Abuse. Uh, 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 so yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they were there, like either in support of her. Obviously, but I think also they were serving as kind of like bodyguard protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was there and he got into a scuffle with them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so the police came <laughs> and he actually ended up having a gun in his car, I think. So he was arrested. He was charged with three felonies and two misdemeanors. Good. But. Um, pretending. No, he committed suicide. Good. Yes. I don't know. I mean, yes, yeah. I understand he got out the easy way. I do. I totally get it. Now it's just like, yeah, whatever. He's gone. But at the same time, yeah. he's so manipulative it. and he wasn't getting caught. Like, this was probably the only way to get him off of this earth anyway. Right. And uh, So it's, deuces to you, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's iffy. I, I go back and forth on that one. Um, I think Jen was pretty upset about that because she also felt like justice wasn't served. Right. But I think that's time. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he basically committed suicide. He knew he was going to be miserable in jail. And I think, like, what is it? Jailhouse justice. You know, pedophiles are, like, the scum of. They are. So he probably would have suffered. Yeah. So he decided to take the easy way out. He killed himself. So six women have come forward to say that they were sexually assaulted by him when they were children. Damn. Dude, How old was this guy? Let me give you one last punch to really piss you off. Mm-hmm. He had been found guilty for the rape of a child in the case of one of those girls who, you know, came forward. Okay. He served one year in jail for that. 
It's a joke, mm-hmm. right? No. Why can't we learn our lesson? It's all these things, like, something happens, and then they get out. And so they don't get better. They get worse. Yeah. It's like people that... I don't even have an example for you right now. Like someone that like raped someone and then they get caught for raping someone. So then the next time that they rape someone, they just make sure they're dead. Right. This isn't solving our issue. Yeah. We need more scientists. I'm telling you, there has to be some chemical or something in the brain. There has to be. <laughs> you want the scientists to I like want the find scientists a to find it out. That way they can be like, it's this section of the brain. And then we can just be like, all right, we'll go in and scoop it out. Yeah. <laughs> like ice cream? Yeah, like fucking Ooh, ice cream. Ice cream sounds really good. We should totally go to Basket Robbins. Deadass. Bomb. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, so, but it's also that thing of like, okay, like if we find this magical thing that's going to fix the problem, that's all taxpayer money that's going to pay for that surgery for this asshole to get it to be a good person. So it's all of those things. Like, there's no good solution ever. Yeah. Suicide is the easy way out. But is him going to jail for 10 days going to fix it? Or is it just going to be the next jam is going to be dead? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if we find a cure, how much money are we really... How much money are we really willing to spend on a murderer to help him feel better? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Kemper, he's still alive in jail. Like, do we really want to spend money to help him be a better person? Or do we rather just lock him up in jail? You know what I mean? There's no good answer. I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, this document, this, all of it is sad. And it ends so sad. Uh, It pretty much concludes with, Jen as an adult saying, you know, she was finally able to forgive her parents by helping them forgive themselves. She felt like they were played and she says that it was all orchestrated by him and that they just kind of like were the pawns that he, so he was a master manipulator. They're all traumatized. Of course. And it literally ends with her saying, the one person I wish I never had to think about again is the person that I think about every day. And that's literally how it ends, dude. It makes sense, though. It, yeah, of course. And I think that's true for a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of examples. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you don't want to think about the bad, and that's kind of what we fixate on. Oh, yeah. But Let me look at our podcast. This is just, like, one of the saddest stories. Mm-hmm. And so preventable. Oh, Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, everyone failed her pretty much. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really sad. That's my story this week. Um, Thanks for the Debbie Downer, Jeanette. Yeah. You know, I'm just kidding. That's a really good one. I just yeah. remember that the first time I watched it, I was so mad. And just, I could not believe it. The whole I time, think... I was just sitting there in disbelief. Yeah. And I think if I were to rewatch it now, I'd be even more mad. <laughs> yeah. You know I was what I mean? Like, the first time I was in, like, disbelief, but now I'd be, like, pissed off. Yeah. So that's the story of uh, Jen, and it's called, if anyone wants to watch it, it's called... Abducted in Plain Sight. Abducted in Plain Sight on Netflix. So go check it Netflix. out. Netflix. Yeah, it's good. Um, Netflix needs to sponsor us. 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> All I would want is like a, I mean, okay, here's the thing. I want a free subscription from them, which would be great, but like I don't pay for it anyway. So. Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> but I would love to have my own subscription. I would feel like such an adult. Yeah. But I don't want to pay for it. I have it for free right now. I just get mad when there's more people on there than, than I can't watch it. I'm like, damn it, I got to go to Disney Plus. But I have watched the new Aladdin movie like 18 times because they finally put it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you have that movie. I love that movie. They did such a good job with it. You know what? I like it. It's the best live action. I hate the two new songs that they added. I so unnecessary. More, uh, okay, here's the thing. We're in this generation yeah, I of hate it. feminism yeah, and we, women yeah, power. I understand that, but and no. they had to do it. No, absolutely not. I refuse. It's so bad. Oh, okay. It makes me cringe. <laughs> it's not that you're a bad singer. It's not. It's that it doesn't fit the story, and we all know the story right. as it's supposed to be told. They just added something so, that was unnecessary. Right, but if they didn't... They would have gotten backlash for not making her an independent woman. Well, so I know why. It's the original they did story, it. though. They just re. They should have just remade the original story. But that's like. That's like redoing um, bed knobs and broomsticks. Have you ever seen I that movie? I don't know what you're it's talking about. It's a very old movie. But that's like them doing and reenacting that movie right now. It's like a very. Bad movie, like but racist. I love, yeah, it's like okay. about Nazis and shit. Okay, so it's but, but this it's isn't a racist hard. movie. Because look, they're still like progressive, and all of their new movies, like the the girls are like empowered, and they're like, dude, did you see the new Frozen movie? I haven't, but see, you need to see it. Like, That's women power right there. Yeah, it says like fuck off all the old white men. They made a bad decision, and us bitches are gonna fix it. I love it. It was so good. It was so good. See, that's my whole Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> that's my whole thing like you are still showing that you are you know modern and you have the right ideals yes but no, you can't no you will never convince me you need to watch it more because in the beginning I totally felt like you and now I'm calm with it I'm cool yeah. it's cool calm and collected <laughs> anyway it's a good movie <laughs> y'all should watch it the new Aladdin yeah and he on it with me just oh. that, it was all good except so I mean I listened to the soundtrack probably once a week and I do skip those two songs so I'm not saying I am in love with them and I listen to them literally I listen to the whole soundtrack and I skip both of those two so I'm just as much on I, I get it but when I watch the movie like I understand why they put it in which I think makes me for it more accepting when I'm watching the movie on why it's there fair enough I hate it <laughs> whatever Jeanette Anyway. Go watch Frozen 2. Okay. Watch Aladdin. Yeah. That's on Netflix. Frozen 2 is not on. Or not on Netflix. On Disney Plus. And Frozen 2 is not on there yet. To my Probably not. Probably not. It's, it's two. Yeah. Yeah. But that one's good too. Okay. Okay. Ready? Well, thanks for listening to our two-hour episode. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. You know you love us. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram at The Haunted and the Wanted. Oh, yes. Yes, sorry. I was waiting for ngmail.com, but you were talking about Instagram. <laughs> oh, I thought you were in there. Okay. Yeah. And then write us your stories at thehauntedandthewanted at gmail.com. Follow our Twitter at that W podcast, T-H-A-T-W. And make sure you come back every Wednesday, yep. every single one, no matter the day. 
It will always be a new episode on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. That was 50% Haunted. 50% Wanted. And 100%, 100% That W Podcast. Bye. Toodles.